You are listening live to the Voices of Reason podcast. On tonight's episodes, the NBA is in its finals. Sports curses, are they real? And AEW, will its popularity double or nothing? And as always, Andy's on the record. Turn it up. Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Voices of Reason. This is the voice of Ryan Keller, joined by John Moffat, Sam Marhulik, Nicholas Stoyan, Andrew Berry. Welcome back. How's everyone doing? It's been a long week. Oh yeah? Memorial Day. It's Tuesday. <laughs> like I said, long week. Well, it started. Hey, you guys want to start with a little bit of breaking news? Yes. Bonobum. So not it was four hours ago that Field Yates on Twitter posted this. Um, a hard knocks announcement is due soon in the rem, uh, a reminder of the five teams that are not allowed to say no: the 49ers, Giants, Lions, Raiders, and Redskins. I'm calling right now. It'll be Oakland. Boy, that's just it. A it match has made to be heaven. Oakland. <laughs> are there more than like 15 Lions fans in America? Well, the Redskins would be kind of fun to watch just because the organization's so crazy. Maybe we could learn more about you know Alex Smith's leg. We could. We learn how terrible their owner is. The lights just flickered in our building, and we might be in danger. Yeah. So if this breaks out, we might have to pause and then, and then come back to everybody. <laughs> if the show just ends, assume we die. I mean, if you hear like a steady buzz in the background, it's probably your tornado warning. So we broadcast from Ohio, and we have been getting hit with tornadoes. Yeah, Dayton so got destroyed yesterday. We have to be careful. It's raining sideways. And throughout to Dayton, my nephew Dylan Keller pitches for Dayton. Uh, actually, as a freshman, got to start in the A-10 championship game against Fordham. So it was pretty cool. Just going to throw that out there. Super dope. All right, let's go. All right, you guys ready? Yeah, let's do our first topic. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump Please right God. into it. So the uh, the NBA Finals is starting up, and it's got the Toronto Raptors versus the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. i going to be honest. I could care less. Don't watch basketball. Um, I don't have a, a horse in this race at all. Um, I'm probably literally not going to watch a single second of the finals. I'm not going to watch a single second of the finals unless the Warriors are getting destroyed. Because it, while I'm not rooting for a team, I'm rooting against Golden State. It's it's going to be a sweep. It's, it's going to be a four-game sweep. It's going to be 100 to nothing every game, and then that's going to be it. Well, the Raptors have home that. court. Oh, all okay. finals because they I did have a better record than the Warriors this year. It doesn't matter. Keep in mind that for every Raptors win, the exchange rate is in their favor. <laughs> so they go up two to nothing if they win game one. They're, are, they're already spotted, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I, don't, I, I just, the we the North thing is probably my favorite. They, they get two and, and a half. I love it. <laughs> two and a half points There's for every no we game. about Canada. They're very we. Can we name any Raptors? Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. Leonard. Anyone else? That's it. Isn't it? There's people that used to be Raptors. I'm, I'm just, isn't Marcus Gasol there? I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there are prevalent NBA players on both teams, but I can Vince only Carter. name you four. Yeah, Vince um, Carter's still up there, isn't he? Vince Carter's still alive? No, he's, he's, he's in Brooklyn. Doesn't he coach or something? Uh, he, he's actually no, coming he back for his 20th season. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. I don't know what team he's on, though. His last season. Or is it the Nets? Is he on the Nets? Nets or Brooklyn, yeah. See, the problem with the NBA is that you who. You could have written this script literally as soon as the season ended last year. You would have just replaced Toronto with team from the East. 
and it wouldn't have made it a hot. Well, you thought it would be the Celtics. <laughs> tells you I how did. much I know. He plays for the Atlanta Hawks. Oh wow! Well, Who Vince Carter? Hey, at least yeah. you at least you knew he was still playing. Uh, Carter, as a Carter is one of five us. players that have played in NBA record twenty one seasons. Yeah, the only reason I know a thing came up where he announced that he was coming back for for this next year. He should be in the dunk contest every year. Hey, I bet he could still win. He was the three sixty windmill guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Based yeah. on he also Frank did the, logic, the elbow for the Hall of Fame, right? <laughs> Based the, on Frank Gore the logic. elbow in the uh, in the rim. All right, since we're going to talk about the finals, a lot of buzz going around that the Warriors are a better team without Durant on the floor. That's asinine thinking. <laughs> it, it's legit though. No, they, it's not. He's the best player on that team. But their record in the best individual player on that team. But as a team, they play better without him. The statistics, I think, point to that being true, but at the same time, if I have the weapons, I would want to use them. When you watch Draymond Green play without Kevin Durant, Draymond Green runs that offense. He doesn't give the ball to Durant to bring it up half court. Draymond brings it up, runs the offense, spreads the ball around. There's a lot more ball movement than there is with Durant. So what you're saying is Draymond Green is the best player on the Washington No, I'm Golden saying he's the best facilitator oh, on that team. It's interesting because you just said that he runs the team. When he does run the offense. There. He runs the offense. Gotcha. But he's not the best player on the team. No. T- Toronto's roster is actually a lot better than... <laughs> I, I mean, I would hope so. They won, I thought. The so, finals. so they have Kawhi. They have Kyle Lowry. Yeah, that's the other one. They have Jeremy Lang. They have Marcus Gasol. They have Danny Green. Serge Ibaka. Uh, wow, that's actually... Greta Von Fleet's brother, Fred. <laughs> Literally, his name's Fred, Fred Van Fleet. Uh, Pascal... Sasha Pavlovich. I just want to say Shakaka. It's not. It's Shakam. Shakam. I mean, sounds like they got a lot of guys that would be washing jock straps for the Warriors. I, I mean, Jeremy Lin was, you know, those are role players. So Danny Green, Marcus All, Kyle Lowry, and Kawhi Leonard. That's a Kawhi really, Leonard's a great player. That's a really good four, though. Hey, they they got it, they got to the dance. It's a four. It's nowhere near the Warriors four. Well, what what four in the NBA is near the Warriors? That's four? exactly my point. It doesn't matter if you start. I'm, I'm just starting. I'm just They're going to wash the floor. I'm with just them. playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. Like I agree. I think Golden State's going to sweep. I, I, I can't t- even t- make t- an argument. Toronto me. might steal game one oh, because be it is because it is at home, and I that think. place is going to be rocking. But it's their first finals appearance ever. Yeah. For that team, I, so I think that's you can't teach experience. It. I think playoff nerves are going to come to play. Kawhi has experience. Okay. What do you win? Two? What about two Jeremy Lin? Does he have finals experience? I don't, I don't finals experience. I don't want to make an outrageous. Kyle Lowry has experience. I don't want to make an outrageous comparison. But at the same – it kind of feels like this Toronto team we've experienced before with older Cavs teams with LeBron yeah. and his and nobody else. his ragtag well, team well, players. The, the, the year they won, who had finals experience other than LeBron? Yeah. I'm not saying – I'm not saying – Yeah, I would say that was their second year. Oh, was, was the it? second year LeBron. I'm not saying oh, Kawhi – That's right. They lost the year I'm not saying Kawhi is LeBron. I'm not saying that at all. But it just feels a little similar. So I think there's pot- there's potential for hope. I mean, I, I'm in the camp that I think the Warriors are going to win. It's not going to be pretty, but I'm still, you know, there's there's a possibility. LeBron's probably super irritated that Kawhi made it to the finals. Kawhi could be the best player in the NBA right now. Right now, yeah. The, un- the, the unfortunate thing about it is the NBA is designed for super teams, and I don't think he's got the horses around him to, to compete. Again, maybe it's a 4-1 final, maybe it's 4-2, but I, I don't see any situation in which the Warriors don't dominate. 
Is it is it designed for super teams or is that just something fi- people figured out how to do? That's something uh, honestly, people, they had figured out. How I to think do it's CBA. that's how the NBA is designed anymore because it, it's almost like the players make the call as to where where they're not only where they're going to go but where everybody else goes too. I mean, how many stories have we read when LeBron was kind of running the Cavs where he dictated who was going to be on his team and who wasn't? But that, he, he does was that essentially the pseudo general manager? Does that surprise us though? I mean, they are all friends. No, I mean, it, it doesn't, but at the same time, I think the NBA really hurts as a result. You've got three, maybe four teams that are relevant because they have enough star power to, to kind of go the distance. But at the, at the end of the day, until you blow up Golden State, which, you know, to their credit, they did things the right way through the draft and, and developing homegrown talent outside of Durant, you're never going to compete with that team. They just, they're too powerful. Well, Durant will be gone next year, so... Do you guys? Were, I, I mean, I don't think it hurts the NBA though. I think there are still the same amount of people watching it, if not more. And internationally, yeah, to that the, point, the I NBA agree. is is huge. I think internationally, it's probably it's definitely bigger than baseball. Well, you just said yourself, you're you don't plan to watch a second. Of I I don't. Right. But, I don't. But but there are, it, there are there are diehard basketball. But fans. the ratings are still going to be through the roof for the NBA finals. Just, they I, always are. Maybe in Canada. You're going to have two markets that watch the NBA Finals. You're going to have San Francisco or the Bay Area, and you're going to have Canada. Oh, I think you'll have other NBA markets watching. I think The, it... the number one market for the NBA draft was Cleveland. What does that tell you about their level of interest in anything beyond what the Cavs have done this year? How's Dan Gilbert, by the way? Yeah, is he okay? He's, yeah, he's apparently recovering. Sam says he's apparently recovering. <laughs> apparently he had a... Was, was it confirmed as a stroke? Yeah, it was definitely a stroke. Okay, yeah. so... Best wishes to Dan Gilbert for a speedy recovery. How many people are just going to watch the finals in the hopes that Golden State loses? Quite a few. I mean, I, think it's th- I mean that story writes itself. I like, think your I mean, first like two games. I mean, I'll see. watch in the hopes that the Warriors, especially if, if Toronto, if Toronto beats them in Game One, which I mean they're going to lose by thirty. <laughs> but if Toronto somehow figures out how to win, everybody's going to be interested. But that's the thing is they did they lost to the Bucks by thirty then they came back and beat the Bucks in seven. So they also play in the East. They Giannis lost the the Bucks, arguably... the Milwaukee Bucks. Anybody? Last time they were relevant, anyone? Last year, last year. This yeah, year. I mean, you have to start somewhere, though. I mean, yeah. Golden State wasn't relevant until they were boom there. But so you keep making the argument that you know Toronto was able to come back from Milwaukee or whatever. Did you not watch what the Warriors did? Yeah, they swept. If ever they trailed, they I didn't. blew back by thirty, like. They, they demoralized their opponents by, I mean, I'm not saying allowing, but, you know, Oklahoma City went up 15 points in a game, and then Golden State came back and just scored 50. Like, they broke their spirits to the point where... Without Kevin Durant. Right. So, it's... Well, we, I see what you did there. If they win, if they win, good for them. We Who, need Toronto? to get... I, no, I, I... So, here's the thing, like... Do you feel better as a sports fan of Toronto if a, a, a team that's not even in our country <laughs> wins the NBA Finals? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Not at all. Yes. Not at all. Give me give me Golden State for the next 12 years. If the NBA is going to set itself up the way it is now, you might as well have the best team win it every single year. They're, see, Golden State's not going to – they're, they're going to be done here soon. They've probably got about a two or three more Durant's years done at the end of this year. He's gone. Oh, He's yeah. going somewhere else. Durant's moving But on. they've proved they can win without him. Yes, so I don't far. think he's any less valuable. No, but, thank you. However, so 
He's still they, the best player on the team. They have other contracts that are going to be coming up in either at the end of this year or going into the next year. I think Draymond's up. Draymond's going to want a max deal, and they're not going to give it to him. No. The only two guys that they talked about keeping are going to be Steph and Clay. See, I think Clay's the odd man out. I think he will head up a team. Well, here that and you're going to have Iguodala's going to be years. retire at some point in the future. He's been Probably the sixth man of the year for than later. What, 10 years. I, th- I think the downfall of the Warriors is coming soon. They just have really good coaching. I like Steve Kerr. Yeah, Steve Kerr's cool. He's, he's done good to keep that bunch together and uh, chugging out wins and stuff. I mean, it helps, too, when a lot of these guys you drafted and they're all on base base contracts. We talked about this in the NFL with, with Cleveland. Like, now's the time to strike and you can bring in you know free agents because a lot of your guys are on rookie deals and you're not paying them a ton of money. Draymond will be the first one to go. Clay and Steph, they, they shoot the lights out. That that's the that the whole yeah. team is built around the three ball, and that's what that's what Clay and Steph do. Yeah, Draymond's a, you know a good all around player, but he's not the shooter that those two are. Well, I guess I guess the only thing that we we can hope for going forward is the the curse of Drake. So there's rumors that Drake's going to be wearing some Golden State gear. Fantastic idea. <laughs> Drake will be my friend if he does, shows up. For, all for those of you like that, that don't know, every team that Drake has rooted for. Uh, first of all, he's the co-owner of the Toronto Raptors, and if you ever watch a game, I mean, I have seen it on the highlights. He's sitting courtside all the time. Yeah, right there, making a point that he's seen. But whatever team he roots for in any sport, they lose. It's become a meme at this point. <laughs> he, he actually had when the Raptors were playing the Sixers. He wore seventy Sixers shorts in Game Seven when the Raptors beat them. He must wear a lot of his own merchandise because his music blows. Well, he got shot I like in s- high school. I like some of his stuff. I don't like it, but man, he wins every award on every every show for any type of music. Billboard, the Grammys, he wins everything. He doesn't his sports teams don't, so I guess it balances out. I guess it balances <laughs> out. Here's the thing, though. Drake is literally the worst thing about sports. If he is a co-owner of the team, he has all the rights and privileges to sit in the owner's box. But for him to masquerade as a fan and sit on the sideline and then act like a proud girlfriend every time somebody does anything. Oh, his sideline antics are horrendous. Wow. It's part of the reason the NBA is such a disaster. I mean, it started with Mark Cuban, though. Yeah, he, he, he basically Spike Lee in New York. Well, Spike, Spike, Spike Lee, Lee doesn't an really owner. do much, though. Spike Lee doesn't own the Knicks. Jack Nicholson with the Lakers, it's the same concept. But Drake pushes the envelope a little too much. Like, he, he feels like he's part of the team, when in reality, he's not. He has ownership interest, but he is not himself a part of the team. I mean, I never saw Usher sitting courtside at a Cavs game. I have. He had the part ownership, didn't he? Remember? Yeah. Does and he still? I, I no. don't believe any longer. I think he sold that. I can't keep track of all these partial ownerships. But Jay-Z. so I, I guess there is some credence to the whole "quote unquote" curse thing or whatever. So we, we've kind of talked about some things, but Sam and I discussed this on the way over. Are curses even a thing anymore? You know, you had Boston break their their curse. You had Chicago, the Cubs break their curse. The Cleveland broke their curse. Rest in not peace with baseball. To Bill Buckner, by the so, way. So Bill Buckner, rest in peace. You Good know, dude. poor guy. Um, you know. I don't even know if there's such a thing anymore. There, there, it curses, superstitions. Are we lumping them into the same category, or are we saying? I just want to go on the record and say that curses are real, because <laughs> as a Boston Red Sox fan, not my entire life, only until Manny Ramirez was traded there, 
But inheriting that nonsense, when everybody reminds you, every other baseball fan, especially the Yankee fans, reminds you that you're never going to win again because you traded Babe Ruth to us for cash to fund a Broadway show, and you're dumb. It's just, it's frustrating when you lose all the time, and in the manner of which you lose, because the, the narrative always goes back to being cursed. Have you ever tried being a Cleveland fan? No. Well, uh, I was an Indians fan up until they traded Ramirez, so... I mean, we literally had our best offensive linemen stand up in training camp and tear both quads at the same time. It was a patella tendon. So, so for one. you being a Cleveland fan, you don't believe it at all? No, I think that the sum of the parts is ineptitude at every level of the front office or ownership or what have you. And, you know, Sam kind of stole my thunder, but if there's any such thing as a sports curse, it's the fact that you just don't know what you're doing. So, Boston, they just mismanaged a lot for years and years and then they put the group together in 04 with the right amount of talent and they won the thing the same thing with the Cavs. the same thing with the cubs it's not like suddenly a curse was lifted counterpoint um our 2004 squad was direly similar to the 2003 squad that lost on a walk-off home run to aaron boone in extra innings because wakefield threw a knuckleball right over the middle of the plate okay that's but that's fine but you got there in 2003 with the same core of players Uh uh-huh and then you won it in 2004. The yeah, Indians got there and then got magic. Had that's a curse broken against them by the coach. Ownership and good managing from the GM. Um, yeah, oh, it's absolutely. Smart signings it's and, a, and whatnot. It, it's absolutely good managing because if we didn't have the G, the GM uh, stuff that we did at the time, we wouldn't have traded for Dave Roberts. He wouldn't have stole the second base in game four, and we wouldn't have come back in that uh, 2004 ALCS. My point is that it's not so much about suddenly something magical happened. It's that 80-some years of drought has ended. And that's fair. Here's what I will, I guess I'll lend some credence to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is there's a lot of mounting pressure, undeserved, for people who inherit those things. So uh, case in point, the Cleveland Browns, every time they changed a head coach or a general manager or the team president or whatever, they kind of unfairly inherited all of the problems from the previous regime. And that includes all the mounting pressure from fans, from the league, from all the, the kind of variables that, that kind of get under your skin. Case in point, John Dorsey comes in. He absolutely has ice water through his veins, does not care what happened 15 years ago or the 20-something years ago that they've, they've had these inept problems. And look what happened. It wasn't like... Yeah, people want to build him a statue after a year. So, I mean, it, it's crazy how in one year... All these things can turn around, but, you know, you mentioned LaCharles Bentley, who's the offensive lineman that Nick mentioned. It's a freak thing where he stands up and blows out his knee and never plays again. Uh, Gary Baxter went up for an interception, tore both patellar tendons, never played again. Kellen Winslow. You know, the, but, but aren't those what curses of, are? But, no. <laughs> it, it, it's, is, it, is there part of it bad luck? Absolutely. But you also look at the pieces that the team puts on the field. Like, it's not... A curse that you drafted Derek Anderson like a bunch of dumb shits, and you put him on the field. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a curse that you drafted Brady Quinn. He held out and essentially sabotaged his own career from the get-go because you sat him behind Derek Anderson, who then went 10-6, and six, and then you bungled the fact that you could have traded Derek Anderson for a first-round pick. Like, it's not curse. It's just stupidity and, and just ineptitude at every level from the, the front office or... The, the ownership or coaching. All right, let's talk about let's talk about the 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 most famous curse that we're all familiar with. 
would be Madden. So the Madden curse. Tom Brady won the Super Bowl last year. He did. It's over. Okay, that's How, However, he, he was not on Madden. <clears throat> he was, uh, he was on Madden 2018. All right, so. And they, they lost so, to the Eagles. But he didn't get injured. We have a history here. Uh, but he did lose the Super Bowl. We're going to start with 1999. Now, John Madden was on the cover, but in the PAL version, European version, Garrison Hurst was on the cover of the 1999 Madden. Well, there's your first problem. <laughs> I would say, who made that choice? <laughs> I, Mrs. Hurst. Like, His mother. Why? In, is, why in 1998, why? Hurst why? had 1,570 yards. That's why he was on the cover in 99. But he wasn't. He was on the PAL version. Who in 99, he broke his ankle in a divisional playoff game and missed the next two seasons. He was on the PAL version. Europeans don't like American football. In 2000, Barry Sanders was in the background of a John Madden photo and retired that year. As one of the greatest players ever. In 2001, Eddie George, this is probably where it started for a lot of us, I know, being in Ohio. Eddie George was on the cover in 2001, went from 1,500 yards to uh, an injured toe and didn't play. More than two seasons. It cracks me up when you hear injured toe and people not play. Dude, have you ever had to walk with an injured toe? It's <laughs> Patrice awful. Bergeron it's excruciating. You know, in, the, in the NHL playoffs a couple years ago had a separated shoulder and broken ribs, and he still continued to play. Those dudes are but that, hard. But that's not his toe. <laughs> Andy, I feel bad for you in this one. Uh, 2002, <clears throat> Dante Culpepper on the cover. Oh, don't bring uh, this up. 2001 had an NFL best 33 touchdown passes. I know. 2002 uh, hurt his knee and missed the final five games of the season. Yep. And that that brought in Tavares Jackson, Christian Ponder, and a whole bunch of other things I don't want to remember. Christian Ponder's got a hot wife. In uh, 2003, we have Marshall Falk. This is one redeeming quality. 1,300 yards, <laughs> 1300 yards rushing and at least 2,000 yards from scrimmage in his previous four straight seasons, which is phenomenal. How old was he at this point? 2003, or 2002, which would have been the year of the game. Uh, finished with 953 yards and missed two games with injury. So not not as bad. The big one right here, Michael Vick, 2004. I think this is where it started for a lot of people. Legs snapped in half like a twig. Running quarterback. We had this conversation. We got into a fight last week about running quarterbacks. No, not a curse. Running quarterback, 200 pounds. 2006, no. Donovan McNabb. Stupid game plan. He was always injured. I loved McNabb. Sports hernia. Did not play. Missed always final injured. six weeks. Yeah, he was always injured. He was like injured 10 times before that too. 2007, Sean Alexander. By the way, did not realize how many yards he had. Uh, 1,880 rushing yards and 28 TDs. And then 2006, broke a bone in his foot, missed six games. Oh, so Sean Alexander sucked. 1,880 yards. He's a Hall of Famer, isn't he? <laughs> He's definitely not. He's the third Barber brother. <laughs> I, I think he came dangerously close to winning an MVP, though. I feel like he did. I was... He didn't win the MVP that year? I can't remember. Who voted Vince Young for the Madden cover in 2008? Vince Somebody. Young. <laughs> Probably Texas. <laughs> Just Vince Young. Wow. 1,500 times. Strain quad, one more game, 22 career starts. But again, Vince Young was terrible. Okay, so pause for a second. Let's say that you guys are correct in saying that there's no such thing as a curse. Then... If we're just going by circumstance, why are we choosing athletes that suddenly fall off the wagon for to be promoting these things? Okay, so let's fast forward because I know that this is eventually coming. So last year, Madden 2050,000, whatever 18. it was. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. Right. He literally held the NFL hostage, mm -hmm. got more money, got exactly what he wanted, and is playing in for – I mean, so yes, it's to be determined as to how he's going to play next year. But in terms of a business strategy – 
He's he's he won his his whole argument. And he didn't get hurt. Sean Alexander did win the yeah. NFL MVP in 2005. He became the first Seahawk to do so. He beat out Tiki <clears throat> Barber and Peyton Manning, who won the award the previous two years. He had earned 19 out of the possible 50 votes. Okay, so we're talking about players that are bad. In 2009, Brett Favre was on the cover of Madden in a Green Bay Packers jersey. He was 3,000. In a Green Bay Packers jersey. <laughs> Stop it. He played for the Jets Stop that year. Stop it. I feel like that's a curse in and of itself. Actually, the Xbox version, the original Xbox, <coughs> re, uh, reprinted. He, he the, is on in a Jets uniform. They did reprint the cover. So, uh, 2010, we have Troy Polamalu. Never uh, heard of her. Missed 11 games, injured knee ligament. Hmm. Probably because he's one of the most overrated players in the history of life. I'm just kidding. He was a great safety. But he was offsides every single time <laughs> he dove over the offensive line. Every single time, and it was never called. All right, so in uh, 2011, we have Drew Brees on the cover. Drew Brees! Uh, did fantastic in 2010. 2011, the Saints would go on to be the first team in history to lose to a sub-500 playoff team when they lost to the Seahawks at 7-9. Shout out to Marshawn Lynch. That still is one of the absolute coolest playoff runs, runs period. That, that was a fantastic Smoked him. That was dope. <laughs> I see so what wait, you wait, did wait. there. So what were Drew Brees' stats like that year? Uh, apparently he was playing with a broken leg, allegedly. I don't know. It doesn't say his stat line on here. But it's the same skirt. <laughs> you, talk, you talked about smoked him with Marshawn Lynch. I mean, real quick. <laughs> have you ever heard the story that when Al Davis died, he went to the stadium and lit a blunt on the internal flame? I did hear that. Okay. I just had to throw that Al in there. Al Davis lit a blunt. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. Sorry. 20, 2012, the one we've all been waiting for. A Peyton Hillis. Uh, Who's that? 1,200 yards in 2011. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> <so> did not <laughs> play. This is the obvious outlier. For one reason, Obvious he played for the Cleveland Browns. Right. If we wanted to, 2012 was a fan boat year. We could get me on the cover of Madden if I wore a Browns jersey. 2012. Was Cleveland a fan fans boat year. will do Everybody, anything. I need you to go on Twitter when you see this. <laughs> I will gladly I need be you on to the cover. Of go Madden on Twitter. Hashtag whatever. Moffitt for Madden. Hashtag Moffitt for Madden. I will even year. wear a Peyton Hillis jersey if that's the case. <laughs> now that you but, have said that, pause. Now that you have said that. Will you be upset if Baker Mayfield is on the cover and something bad happens? Okay, so here's where I'm going to be a hypocrite. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> because absolutely. <laughs> because even though I think the curses are more bogus than anything, there's a slight twinge of panic whenever I think, whether it leads to just the whole amount of hype that we're having now or whatever. If that were... who It's going to be Mahomes in 2020, correct? Yes. Mahomes this year. So I was stoked when Mayfield kind of fell out of the, the uh, voting or what have you, because, yes, I would be terrified that something bad would happen to him. <laughs> However, comma, it doesn't justify that these curses are real. It's just my own paranoia. See, the thing with Mahomes being on the cover, too, he's coming off of his rookie year, and he was a rookie, right? Last no. year? Yes. No. Well, it was second. Well, he, he was first he, year he starter. Didn't, he didn't technically play. He, played, he started and played one game. In so, the so... Technically, he's in his third year, but it's like his sophomore season. Right. And most quarterbacks tend to suffer anyways going into their sophomore season. Spoiler alert, because I, I will be doing my piece shortly. The Chiefs are going to be a worst of, or a first to worst this year. They, well, they got rid they, of everybody. They, they didn't get rid of everybody. Everybody's breaking the damn law. That's so on offense. They on got defense, rid of everybody on defense, everybody. and Pat Mahomes is going to be throwing to the likes of Travis Kelsey and nobody else. 
So they will be uh, your bottom feeders in the AFC West. Yeah, I think they're they're in trouble. All right, there's only two more since we already talked about Brady and uh, Mahomes. Madden 2014, 25th anniversary, Adrian Peterson was on the cover. Uh, he played one game, and then he was suspended for the season for beating his kid with a tree branch. Yeah, they probably should have switched that. <laughs> switched that? But, uh, thank you. <laughs> That's not a curse. He's a saddle. And then Madden 17, Rob Gronkowski was on the cover, played eight games, and missed the final five weeks in the playoffs with a back injury. Your dead grandma has a better back than Gronk does. Wow. I don't think she did. Gronk was injured a hundred times before that, too. It's crazy how successful he was and how productive he was with how, how injured he was his entire career. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just... That's a lot of evidence. But it's it's all circumstantial. Like, you... I, I think when you talk about curses and stuff, a lot of it is... Um, it gets into players' heads. No, what's the... It gets into organizations' heads. You said it's circumstantial. It's... Oh, I know exactly what you're trying to say. I, I can't think of the word. Coincidence? Yes. It's, it, it's A lot of it is coincidence, too. Sure. And it also kind of plays into how you look at it, what a curse does to affect you. Is it an injury? Is it a losing season? But is there's a, a lot of times... Statistically like, poor season? You see things like that, and one person will take it one way, and one person will take it the complete exactly. other way. It doesn't mean it's a, a curse. It's, it's interesting. So, case in point, you mentioned, I think it was Marshall Falk. He had 950-something yards and missed two games. That's still a pretty darn good year for a running Yeah, but back. coming off of the previous four years when you had over 2,000 all-purpose yards. Uh, that's fine, but you, you're going to have a down year every so often. Now, we're going to transition this a little bit because we kind of talked about this during a break. Um, superstitions. There's a, there's a huge difference between curses and superstitions. And I will tell you, I believe 100% in superstition as a self-diagnosed OCD individual, <laughs> there you, you get into your own head. I think everyone has diagnosed you as well. <laughs> so, like, whether it's the, the pitcher jumping over the lines, um, you know, batters with their interesting no, uh, approaches and so forth. <laughs> there, are thing, there are things that you do to give you comfort on a sports field. And I think that is a major realism uh, to, to the games that they play. So... Is it going to ruin a pitcher's chances of throwing a perfect game if he accidentally touches the chalk line in the first inning? Probably not. Or if someone mentions perfect game. Right, but he gets into his own head at that point, and he starts to either overcompensate or overthink or, or something like that, and that's kind of where I think the real part of it actually lies. You, you know what's really funny about that? Uh, the movie Tin Cup with Kevin Costner, he, he qualifies for the U.S. Open. It's, it's a golf movie. Yeah, I, I know, but it's a very obscure reference. <laughs> no, there's a, there's a part where he goes to the driving range for the U.S. Open, and he's surrounded by all these professional golfers. And as soon as he gets up there, he, start, he gets the shanks, and he starts hitting the ball, and it's going right down the line where all the guys are. And then uh, Cheech Martin is his caddy, tells him to take his his tee and put it behind his ear, turn his hat back way, tuck his pants into his sock, put his change in his other pocket, and then go hit the ball. And he goes and hits the ball, and he smacks it, goes right down the middle of the driving range. Because he wasn't in his head. And I think a lot of superstitions are just players getting in oh, their own head. 100%. Well. Yeah, but a lot of that, I mean, superstitions start when you're, I remember being like six and having a rally cap on in the dugout. That's just dumb. And, but it how starts many, that young, though. But how many times does that does that actually work? I mean, it worked pretty damn good when we were seven and eight. So you're telling me though that if you didn't so, put so the rally cap on, that, that you guys wouldn't have wouldn't have Probably won as well. Not. No, we definitely would have lost. Wow. 
I will I will tell you I one of my memories is when we were playing Little League and Brian Satina was playing second base. <laughs> Name drop Brian and Satina. Said, Batter can't hit just in time for me to launch a double over his head. So I guess that I don't know if that's a superstition or not. I just wanted to embarrass him. Do, do you know we've, me- we've mentioned Brian in every show? This yeah. should be like our, our like our running thing. thing. Like it's kind of like Seinfeld where there's a Superman in every episode. What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. That there's a Superman I've logo. I've never watched Seinfeld in my life. Oh, that's, I don't I've watched, like Jerry Seinfeld I've at watched, all. I've watched some of it, but I've heard that there was a sign. There was a Superman logo somewhere in every episode. I don't know if it's true. Actually, do you know what's better than Seinfeld? Everything. Literally everything. <laughs> and what's wow. crazy Typhoid is Typhoid Fever. It was the number one show on television for like five, six years in a row. I like some of the episodes. I like. The Let end people of the enjoy things. What is going on with Seinfeld? I mean, you got the sports, and then you got the sun. No, that's terrible. Anyway, <laughs> so so we're uh, so we're saying that superstitions one hundred percent real curses. That's an apples and oranges comparison. It, 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 it's I think so. It's definitely something we can wrestle with further. <laughs> Go ahead, no, say your piece. He got it. He, oh, he got he, it. Get it. It's a transition. I, I know. I was no. gonna say I'll bet you double or nothing that. This Madden curse is BS this year, <laughs> uh, and he got it. We're working. Damn on it. People. We don't write these things unscripted every man's podcast or at least it starts out that <laughs> that's way. what it says in the description so AEW had their first pay-per-view this past saturday double or nothing some of us watched it some of us didn't i watched the ending some of us have opinions on it some of us have oh, i have opinions, opinions on it absolutely on it. i absolutely loved it i loved it from start to finish i was roped in the matches were I haven't seen wrestling like that in the WWE in a long time. Ryan and I sat here time. and watched it with a couple other people, and I think it's the first pay-per-view we've probably bought in five, six years. Well, since, since the network came out. I mean... Easily. But I... I and there I, was one promo. I enjoyed the whole show. I, I enjoyed every single bit of it. Um, the slight shade that they threw at the WWE. Slight. <laughs> it wasn't slight. It well, was amazing. I mean, he blew up Triple H's throne. <laughs> that was that was really the only shot they took, though. Like during the event, after the event with with the Moxie and and uh, Cody flipping the bird and and sh- throwing it out on Twitter. I think th- that's different. But like during the show, I, I I loved it. I loved everything about it. So I, I will admit that I did not watch it. Um, however, I love the idea of it. And I'll tell you why. The WWE has become complacent. It has grown stale. It is boring. And it has it has probably shot itself in the foot with the PG rating. I think at first it may have attracted a different genre of, of fans. Maybe the younger, like the John Cena lovers and the whatever. But wrestling at its core is a male soap opera that is designed for the ages 18 to 35. Um, and when they kind of... I don't want to say turned their back on that specific fan base, but when they kind of ignored it to move toward more of a family-friendly, you know, Barney and Fretton-style television show, they really lost a lot of their hardcore fans, pun somewhat intended. And now, I mean, we we all grew up in the golden age of wrestling, so the the best times that WWE specifically was good is when WCW was on its tail, or ECW, or the combination of the two. So competition breeds success, and I think that with AEW, I hope they get all the steam in the world. I hope it really takes off because it'll cause the WWE to step its game up. So, so here's here's my only thing on that. After that pay per view, you think 
on Raw Monday on Monday something. Night Raw that they would have come out and they would have done something. It was what an hour and five minutes before you had an actual match during Monday Night Raw. The only problem with that is that I mean, and I read that too, but it's like an apples to oranges comparison. Raw is the TV show that's been running since 1993 versus a organization doing their very first televised event. Of course, it's going to be humongous. There was so the, much talk though about it that you you people think people were chanting AEW during. Of course, Raw. they were because they're sick of it. And the the problem is how many. How many Memorial Day episodes of Raw are good? They always have that stupid food fight at the picnic table. <laughs> like, it's one of those shows that you don't put a whole lot of effort into because you know your audience is going to be lesser than the less of what it usually is. And but, if we want to make it a make a comparison, go back to, like, the last pay-per-view, which was Money in the Bank, which, you know, the big spoiler at the end is, you know, Brock Lesnar winning the Money in the Bank, which what? nobody cares about. It's a boombox now. It is. It's yeah. It really is. It's it's sad. John and, John hit it on the head though. It's getting stale. It's getting complacent. It's getting boring. Like and and I don't want to sit there and watch it. Like I'll DVR it and I'll fast forward through it just to pick up hits and things like that here and there. I was I was sucked in. From, I think there was from one, the pre-show. There was one bad match on that. Well, the pre-show and it wasn't even bad. It it would have been a, a it was a one B-minus. slower match on that entire card and it was a six woman tag match with a couple of legends who were are past their prime the one girl could barely walk yes i will give you that aja kong who used to be in wwe so i have a i have i just have a question what we talk about vince mcmahon a lot as a ruthless cutthroat businessman who will do whatever he can when it comes to the wwe why isn't he taking more chances as somebody who has not he doesn't watched, have to. He never had to. He, okay. Or he hasn't had to since what? 2001? Since he acquired WCW and everything that came with it, there's there's no reason to push the envelope. There's you, you're I mean just recently their ratings have declined very very quickly mm-hmm. and very very badly. The last couple raws before the Memorial Day, I think were the lowest it's rated raws in the history. So, he hasn't had to do anything he just who's, who's been the biggest competition since wcw it was like tna way back when when and, it first came out and you know th- that i mean that was so poorly run i know Correct. at one point here we'll do a couple of name drops for you you know samoa joe was one of the biggest names in aj Impact. styles was huge in yeah Impact. he was but in, here's another name at one point kazuchika okada who might be the best wrestler in the world you know new japan you know pro wrestling he was the champion for a while lost to kenny omega who and now is in aew fights chris jericho like next kazuchika week. okada didn't wrestle on impact he was the cameraman for samoa joe his name was <laughs> kato well we'll talk about how poorly run that was. well i mean the the wrestling minds behind that were hulk hogan who didn't really care the only reason he was doing that was to get at wwe and jeff jarrett correct right so, Andy, to kind of come back to what you said about why Vince hasn't been taking more chances, who wants to garner a guess as to when the PG era officially started in WWE? 2011? Nick, any guesses? 2000... Oh. Yeah, probably after Benoit died. I, I quit watching around 2008-9. Keller? Um, since you posed the question like that, I'm going to guess it's much closer. July 22nd, 2008. Okay. Well, I was so wrong. So for 11 years, when did there's Benoit been die? zero competition. <laughs> there's been nobody. Even, I mean, you've had little offshoot things that have happened. Um, 
but you've never had a major competitor until now. So for all of Vince's overlooking things, he hasn't had anybody really bullying him. And, and honestly, it, I don't think that the AEW's popularity, if it continues to grow, is really going to affect him at all. Vince has never really been one to pay attention to anyone else. That leads into my next question. Um, as somebody who doesn't pay close attention to wrestling as I did in previous years, um, like I probably quit watching around right, up, right after the PG era took full effect. My question is that we talk about competition. I think we did this a little bit with the AAF and the NFL. Is Vince going to care about any other wrestling promotion or program or anything in his avenue until it gets on a major broadcast network and broadcast at the same time as Raw? Will he do anything well, until that? They'll be on TNT. Yes and no. But are they going to be running on Mondays? They haven't said anything about their Here's actual TV schedule yet. The rumor's Wednesday. Here's what's going to cause Vince to con- get concerned. And you've already kind of seen it start to happen. It's not so much with the Talent popularity rising. It's guys releases. leaving. Guys and, and men and women requesting releases. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of these contracts have built-in no-compete clauses for 30, 60, 90 days, whatever. But your major names, when they start to leave out the door, i.e. a Dean Ambrose. John Moxie. He's like... <laughs> They're going to start to poach talent with their deep pockets, with this promise of, you know, not the PG nonsense they've been dealing with. You, you know, we, we have this, we mentioned this before, we have a group text that we all contribute to. Somebody, I believe it might have been you, posted pictures of Dustin Runnels, formerly known as Gold Dust, during his match with Cody at the event. He wore the proverbial crimson mask. Like, I mean, it was... This cool. was a bloodbath of attitude era But it was a phenomenal storytelling but the thing is aside from the match itself they're not afraid to push that envelope with the the weapons the violence the blood the i mean it was in the the battle royale i mean other than that though there wasn't much that was outside of pg well like that way like felt fresh though because it's not the same thing you've seen the battle royale had a couple moments with a staple gun the moves uh yeah (laughs) oh yeah that's pg staple gun well he he stapled a a lit lit cigarette cigarette. to the guy's forehead so that's funny and they had a that's circa ec lieutenant dan well that's because it was um what the heck's his name from ecw no oh um tommy dreamer yeah it was tommy dreamer so, first of all, aside... Well, before, before we go crazy, we're talking about contracts. John Moxley's contract with AEW... AE, formerly known as Dean Ambrose. His a contract with AEW is he is allowed to take independent bookings... Which Vince would never ...until allow. AEW premieres on TV. Which is October. So... Because he, he just announced a match next week for the... He it, talked about it, going to New Japan. It, it is. It is in New Japan. The New it's Japan like the U.S. US title, title against yeah. Juice Robinson. Yep. Well, that'll be fun to watch. So, a, a little thing aside, the fact that Tommy Dreamer is not in the WWE Hall of Fame is an absolute crime. <laughs> but that's more Vince peeing all over ECW. What, what I found more, more refreshing than the fact that it was, wasn't PG was the in-ring actual wrestling. And that, I think, has been the biggest difference, not only with NXT, but also with what AEW is trying to do is, so Paul Levesque, who professionally is Triple H and has sort of heads up NXT and, and will eventually head up WWE, 
he realizes that the in-ring product is what needs to sell the show. Yeah. Which is why Vince, every takeover is better than right. the pay-per-view that follows. Vince has always been, again, it is a it is essentially a soap opera for men in their teens and 20s. 30s. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the, the, the speaking, the promos, the developing of storylines outside of the ring have always been a major thing. The major difference being... When we watched kind of in the heyday, it was a lot edgier. It was a lot more captivating because it was, I'll never forget, I was legitimately creeped out when Diamond Dallas Page was at The Undertaker's house, in air quotes, because he probably wasn't. But I remember the whole angle of him stalking Sarah, who was the wife of The Undertaker at the time. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, holy moly, like, this is, this is beyond the ring sort of stuff. But that's, they weren't afraid to do that because it helped them keep an edge. And obviously it was after the WCW merger because DDP was... I don't think uh, AEW is afraid to do that at all. And, and that's and that's probably true. So as long as Vince and company have kind of decided that they're going to stick in this PG niche and, and stay there for a little while, I think they're in trouble. However, the light at the end of the tunnel is with this mega deal that SmackDown is going to Fox, I believe your days of PG are coming to an end. Fox Fox doesn't want PG. I and and for the amount of money they're paying, they're they're not going to yep. they're going to get what they want. Th- that's why it was probably a month or two ago they started testing that a little bit where they did the Alexa Bliss and the towel and different things like that in between matches. Um, I had read that Fox wanted to to tinker around with it a little bit and see what kind of response it got. Because they don't want to go PG when it hits their network. And I think there's a place for, for all that. Again, it's not trying to like demoralize women or anything like that. But, you know, if this is primarily uh, a, a sport, if you will, that's enjoyed by men, there's no shame in having a little bit of edginess and, <laughs> and sensuality to it, as long as the in-ring product is not compromised by those things. So the, the divas of back in the day when we had to watch Stacey Keebler fighting the likes of, of Tori Wilson... Was you know, eggnog. it was a a far cry from watching Charlotte versus Becky Lynch. You know that the the, the in ring talent is clearly better now, and as long as they don't bastardize that with all of this outside the ring antic stuff, I think there's still a place to have both. And and the older Vince has got, I think he wants to have more control over everything, and I think that's why a lot of guys want to leave. Um, the creative control, I think, really bothers a lot of the wrestlers that. They can pitch ideas, and most of the time it gets shot down because the minds that be want to run what they want to run. And a lot of guys want to be able to have that creative control. I mean, back in the day... I mean, they just had an interview with uh, what was one of the backstage girls. Um, the interview just aired like, last Caruso? week. Is it, did she get fired Dasha after Fuentes. WrestleMania? Dasha Fuentes got fired the week of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And they had an interview with her, and it basically... She said the word match in a promo and they were like you're done well it amazes me too <laughs> I, I know there are a lot of rules but i mean you weren't allowed to call the championship a belt yeah and becky starts calling it becky two belts and they let that fly because it was it was brilliant and i think if you gave these wrestlers more control over the characters that they are and let them develop them characters and some of them unscripted promos maybe not are, i think are awesome depending on the person <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, some of them can't talk their way out of a paper bag. I mean, look it's at like Ron Killings. Look at look at Austin. I mean, the Austin. But he made a career out of saying the Austin three sixteen would have never happened if it was scripted. That that's not Ron Killings, Nick. 
That's Ron Simmons. Ron Killings well, is our truth. Our truth. <laughs> Damn. So, oh, you'll be happy to hear, by the way, that Billy Gunn looked absolutely phenomenal he in the was boy, Battle Royale. Yeah, that's because he's taken every steroid he known is to man. Gigantic. <laughs> Truth be told, Billy Gunn was always one of my absolute favorites growing up. But he has purged the uh, pharmaceutical closet, so to speak. I mean, who was in who was in that battle royale that was formed? We had we had Billy Gunn, you had Tommy Dreamer, you had Ty Dillinger, Glacier, yeah, Glacier. Oh boy, <laughs> um, that that was like a formerly of WWE crew. Yeah, uh, Luke Perry's they were... son, Jungle Boy, was in it. They had a you had DDP come out. Yeah, uh, during the um, the the, the Rhodes match, Rhodes match, um, and he Cody carried carried Dustin. Brandy out of there because she laid a heck of a spear on on Dustin, and then she hit him with the bell and made him bleed. Yeah, air so DDP came down and and escorted her back into the backstage. You want to know a surefire way to kill this thing? Keep having guys like DDP and Glacier show up at your events. He just he just. Picked her up and carried her, and it wasn't wrestling at he all. Needs he needs to just... pick up his career and walk away forever. <laughs> like, first of all, I've I was never a fan of DDP. He does nothing for me as a performer. However, even though he is a Hall of Famer, he his time has come. Like, and that's that's the biggest problem that WWE does is they they lean on all of these names that 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 are just names now. Why is Undertaker fighting Goldberg? It's stupid. What, you know, what, first of all, Undertaker should have retired, because period, the first time he lost to Brock. It's a draw in Saudi Arabia. That's Great. Why. Tell that's them, why, hey, we're not going to do it's that. It's because the Saudi Arabian government's paying billions and billions of dollars to get them there. That's fine, but you have to draw the line in the sand, kind of pun indefinitely intended on that. <laughs> because you can't... It comes down to money. In that situation, it, it comes down to money. Like... I love Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and Hulk Hogan and all the guys I grew up watching. If I never see them in the ring again, that's fine. Mick Foley is the same way. The poor guy. And we won't, oh get, we won't get into that Well, Foley was an AEW. That, uh, you know, the 24-7 championship. But the fact that Mick had to essentially sell out to try to promote this piece of crap that they they came up with randomly, which is a poor excuse of the hardcore championship. Well, I mean, I think he'll do whatever he can now since he was blackballed a couple years ago. Mick? Yeah. But you shouldn't put him in that spot is what I'm saying. I, I agree 100%. Like, I mean, Bret Hart got legends... inducted in the Hall of Fame and walked out with the AEW championship. <laughs> and fell off, and fell off the, the stage. stage. <laughs> also, Bret Hart, Hart. Bret Hart, probably one of the most overrated wrestlers in the history. Of the I agree. I'm he, kind of he's definitely not the best wrestler. He's not the best wrestler. He's not even the best heart. What was the best heart? Owen, by far. And maybe Natty. <laughs> <laughs> The Neidhart. So, there's Hart in her name. Davy Boy Smith was really good. So I agree. He's often forgotten. So, in order to get me to back to watching wrestling again, there's some there's some things that I need uh, WWE to do. And if the AEW all, does all this stuff, then that's where my attention's going to go because I still want the the old style professional wrestling. Number one, stop cutting to commercial during a match. Thank I absolutely you. I hate that. It's, it's the worst, especially I, when they do it multiple times in a match. I already have ADD. You're making it worse when you do that. Number two, make the matches shorter and have more high spots. I remember a whole – like you, you mentioned about the AEW and the, in, and the in-ring product, the action that was going on was phenomenal. I wanted to make a point that a long time ago, I remember watching matches with Shelton Benjamin in them, 
and his athleticism blew me away. I can't tell you what that dude sounds like on the microphone because I don't remember. See, the the thing, though, with the the matches in the AEW, they weren't short. Mm -hmm. They were long matches, Mm -hmm. but they roped you in, and you were entertained the whole time. There weren't spots where you had, like, uh, they had a couple of six-man tag matches where you had everybody laying down in the ring, or you had four people outside of the ring on the mat and one person laying down. There weren't, like... Breathers. Or... Yeah, there was none of that. Okay, it was good. an action from the time the bell rang until the, the the hand hit the mat for the third time. And if you can do that for the entirety of the match, no matter if it's 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, then that'll suck me in. Again, though, and, and Sam made this point earlier, we're talking about the first ever televised event for AEW versus the 1500th and something Raw. So obviously they're going to have all their ducks in a row. They're going to go all out for this thing and, and make it they didn't, shine. They didn't have all their ducks in a row. There, well, were, some, but, there were some growing pains there going was, on. There, and there, but, there were some missed spots. But it's, but. It's, it's not fair to say that, it, it, I mean, yeah, is it a refreshing shame? Sure, but like, let's see how the second event is and the third and the fourth. And when they get to TV, if they can keep the product entertaining, that's been the biggest problem outside of WWE is these – we can harken back to the AAF. It's awesome. It's new. It's fun. But then it starts to kind of grow on and you're like, okay, it's really not that different. So if they can keep it a separate product and, and, and really raise the bar and whatnot, fantastic. That's awesome. That's going to be the best thing for both brands. I'm just cautious I, that they're going to be able to I don't think WWE is going to even care. Especially and, and, if, Sam, you had said that they're airing on Wednesday. It's, that's it's, the rumor. It, there's no direct competition to that. NXT. Which is the wrestling show. But I I just want to jump off of John's point real quick with the whole, you know, first show, second show. So the pay-per-view is supposed to be the culmination of your stories. Like it's the, you know, everything builds up to these big pay-per-views and the pay-per-views are supposed to be these huge events that don't, you know, there's not really supposed to be promos. It's just supposed to be right balls to the wall to the point. How are they going to do on TV? Is my is the biggest question that I have because you you can't just put a an hour long match on an hour long show because you're gonna have to have commercials through it. So my only issue is how are you going to deal with the growing pains on TV? And I hope they do it well because if there is one wrestler in this world that I love and I can I can go back to I want to say 2012, Cody Rhodes fought the Big Show. He was defending the Intercontinental title, and it, I mean, it was a joke. You, you absolutely butchered the, the kid's talent, and he has essentially just gone on to say, F you, Vince, this is what you lost. And there was you know talk that at some point before this AEW thing came about that Vince wanted to offer him a whole bunch of money, and he laughed at him. I hope it works out, but it's, it's, it's hard for me to put all my eggs into that basket. Now, I mean, I'll watch it and be excited about it because it's cool and – you know, Cody I mean, Rhodes, Chris Jericho. It seems like I want to see how it grows. It seems like a lot of their storytelling is going to be more of a sports thing. They had a lot. They had post conferences. They had press conferences. They had little vignettes and everything. So it seems like that's the way they're going to go with their storytelling is more of like an off-screen, well-produced but I think if you're expecting this TV show to not have promos, I think people are going to be mistaken. No, they will have promos, and they're going to be unscripted promos. I don't think there's an hour. I don't think there's going. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You you sit down. You had touched, and I, I know we've talked about this, uh, not recording, and you, you had mentioned sports entertainment compared to professional wrestling. Now, what drives me nuts with that argument is that the basis of 
sports entertainment is professional wrestling. So when you're not putting that product out there, I don't I don't care for everything else. Like I want to watch the professional wrestling aspect of it. And that's where WWE started off and I think they've they've jumped too far into the whole sports entertainment because wrestling for a while, professional wrestling for a while had a bad stigma to it. It it, it had a bad name in yeah. like pop culture because kids were getting hurt, they were doing this at home and and I think Vince wanted to get away from from that when he went to the PG era. And that's about the same time, right? When they switched from to the PG was when they started changing it sports entertainment more so than professional wrestling. Here's the other thing, though. And this is all fine and good. Again, we're in the early stages of it. What's going to happen to AEW when they're when your John Moxley's get hurt, your Cody Rhodes get hurt? And, you you know, it's it's nice that they have these kind of balls to the wall you know, full go attitudes, but that kind of is the reason that WWE had to tone down their product. And I had still guys getting hurt all the time. They still, all their talent is always hurt in WWE. It's a grueling business. So yeah. So what's, I mean, but, but you, you're putting that exponentially higher when you have matches like, like a running quarterback. <laughs> exactly. You're putting the guys in danger. It comes full circle. But you know, and I like Cody Rhodes and, a lot, too. I love Jericho as well. I mean, it, it's just when your top guys start going down with injury, it's going to be difficult to keep that they, momentum going. They are going to have growing pains. I, I oh, agree 100% with that. But the thing, too, is they have financial backing. Which is important. And I think guys are going to want to go there. Not like More and more guys are going to want to go there. And I think when your top guys go down, I mean, it's just like anything. You Next guy up, right? I think with is, WWE, isn't it in everything? Right. Next think, guy up. I, I guess think that with w- WWE a lot of when people get hurt on WWE they blame it a lot on the actual schedule that these guys work. They're working house shows. They're working two nights a week. And I'm not sure days. how many house shows. But if you like stop, AEW is going to be doing. I'm not sure what their whole schedule. Yeah, I would say I'm what their saying, road schedule is going to be like. I'm not if you stop sure. featuring the same guys over and over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of guys that get keep buried in, mind, in WWE. They've got three shows and you've got three massive yeah, rosters. and you have and use I, them. They've stretched. <laughs> well, they've stretched them. So they don't. You see the same twenty people every week. Well, that's what the house shows are for. But at the same time, you can't sit there and tell me you care about the cruiserweights more so than you want to see the big name guys. Like that's the whole reason that twenty. Uh, 305 Live, 205 Live, excuse me. <laughs> 305, <laughs> Like, that's the whole reason 205 Live is gone. failing. I think it's gone. Like, no one cared yeah, about them. It's still there. So, you know, there's a, a perfect balance between wanting to keep your guys healthy, but also you still have to sell tickets. Nobody's going to want to go to a house show that Tony Nese is headlining against Mustafa Ali. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. I, I agree with that. So I, it's unfortunate. Like these guys, it's it's it's, it's going to be it's a it's a balancing right. act. They're it on really the road is. 250 nights out of the year, and that's just part of the gig. But the the thing is, WWE has the depth and the namesake to kind of recover a little bit more than AEW does at this current moment. Yeah. So AEW's roster is very top heavy, but when you start getting guys like the Young Bucks and Jericho and Cody, when they start getting hurt or need time off. Who steps up? And again, like, I mean, we've touched on this almost every single point. It was their first one. And also, the title looks stupid. 
I love it. It looks like a police. I was waiting for someone to say it. It looks it. like a police badge. It's, How many different ways can you make a title, though? It's better than a big better W. Than a big, yeah, big I don't like w. a big I, I W. I don't mind the current, the, the WWE champion. What, not the red what's one. Your, was it, don't you, didn't you love the original world championship? The globe? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love the, I love the original. Like, it reminded me a little bit of the WCW title. Real yeah. quick, it wasn't the original. I'm sorry. It was the Attitude Era World Heavyweight Champion. Okay, I'm gonna Not present. Bad. I'm gonna present a true or false. True or false? The best belt four. WWE has had in the past four years was Daniel Bryan's Earth. Title. That was the absolute worst <laughs> piece of garbage I've ever seen. I thought it was, you're kidding, right? There's I something like about the Intercontinental title. The Attitude Era Intercontinental and the European title will always be my absolute yeah. favorite designs. It has a hundred percent to do with preference, though. I like. I mean, I didn't hate the 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 um, universal title, not the universal title, the undisputed championship when they combined like the that. world heavyweight and the WWE title. That they was do fine. so much with these stupid. The spinning stupid belt titles. was terrible. The the precursor to the spinner, which was like that bulky gold, e- that was horrible. The one now, I it's fine. I don't care. The red but strap got up. I don't like the universal title. I think that's garbage. I like I, I like how they they do it with the women's belts where. The red is raw, the blue is SmackDown. It's kind of the same thing, but it still has significance. I completely aside, but I'm of the belief they need to do it to abolish the universal title, period. You have way too many belts, yeah. and you've completely killed any credibility I mean, in history you've you had think about it, for the belt. longest time, Brock Lesnar was your universal title, and you never saw him anyway, so it was it like just, the belt didn't irrelevant. even exist. But all that said, I mean... It, who cares how the belt looks at the end of the day? It, it's it, the prestige will come from not having it defended twenty four seven. Another belt you win it three different times <laughs> in one night. But you know the matches have to be these epic. Like the reason the WWE Championship is so great is because of Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania fifteen. Not because of any way it looks. It's because of Austin versus Hart, Rock Austin, Triple H versus whomever. Like the reason the belt is cool is because we remember the moments that it was relevant. It has nothing to do with how the hardcore title is the greatest title ever. <laughs> Though, I will say, maybe the coolest belt WWE has going right now is the North American Championship in NXT. That belt just looks like a wrestling belt. Are, are you going on the record with that? On the record. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Alright, here we go. Favorite part of everyone, everyone's favorite part of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the end of the show where we call On the Record, where these guys are going to go on the record. Um, before we do that, please visit us on Facebook.com slash Sports. Click the like button to get us to 200 likes. Yeah, we finally hit 100. Thanks, guys. We'll, we'll achieve boss status if you do that. Uh, yeah, and uh, we're also going to try to produce some more, not daily content, but at Regular least there's going, to be thi- there's going to be things to look at, you know. For this On the Record segment... Uh, who wants to go first? I didn't give you guys any clues. So maybe, in you know, spitballing here, get, kind of give a clue and kind of see where it goes. Ugh, you got, okay, well, actually, the first thing I want to do is I want to do a rapid fire. One word, one word answer only. Don't love give it. me any explanations because I don't care. John. <laughs> These are the segments in which I struggle. No, no, no. One. One word only. Rapid fire. John. Yes. Who's winning the NBA Finals? Raptors or Warriors? Warriors. Okay, you're on the record. Sam, same question. Who is winning the NBA Finals? Warriors. Ryan. Raptors. Ooh! Nick. Warrior. 
Warriors. Okay, so we're three Warriors, one Raptors. I'm also going to pick the Warriors just because that's what's going to happen. Nothing I want ever comes true for championships. All right, rapid fire question number two. John, who is winning the Stanley Cup? Bruins or Blues? Bruins. All right, he's on the record for the Bruins. The Blues. The Blues for Sam. Blues. Blues for Ryan. Blues. Blues for Nick. All right, and it does kind of suck. It does kind of suck because the Bruins are up one game. Disappointing. All right. That was a lot of words. That was a lot of words. Um, I'm gonna pick the Blues as well. Okay, let's get into this on the record segment. Um, I don't really, I don't really have a way to give you guys clues for any of these because I didn't sort of write it that way. So uh, we're just gonna, I'm gonna pick somebody at random. Um, <laughs> it landed on John. Uh, all right john you're gonna go first suck it trebek okay you alluded to this a little bit earlier in our conversations so the minnesota twins are 36 and 17 to open the season and hold a 10 game lead on the indians in the al central according to some math my math is probably terrible even if the twins only played 500 baseball the rest of the way the indians would likely have to play at least 600 baseball the rest of the season to make it a comeback Yes, it's still the month of May as of this recording, and funny things happen in sports, yada yada. But is the AL Central race already over? John, go on the record. Absolutely. It was over the day that Corey Kluber did not get traded and broke his arm while pitching. So I said this very early in the season, and I I have to stand by my point. The Indians are going to be and need to be sellers prior to the trade deadline. It was a nice run. That window slammed shut when the Cubs won the World Series and you didn't, and you're not going to rebound. The Indians are kind of in a weird, they want to reload, but they want to rebuild mode, and that's not going to work. So Trevor Bauer will be gone probably within a week or so. I wouldn't be surprised if Carrasco is gone. Kluber, you've ruined his value. Um, Here's a big one. I think you get rid of Lindor. Uh, He's got two years after this year on his current contract. However, I don't see this team making any noise in the next two years with or without him. I think you have to get what you can for him. You had a a chance. You got as far as, probably further than a lot of people thought. You got as far as some people thought you were going to get. But ultimately, you failed. And it's unfortunate because of the way that they are in their market. It's unfortunate the way that, that... kind of baseball is set up they uh they've got to go back to the drawing board and and kind of start from scratch so i will say that the the al central race is over i don't think they make it as a wild card i don't think they've got the horses to make it as a wild card as it is um it's unfortunate but it's reality the indians are going to be sellers and the indians are done the the twin what pisses me off with the cleveland indians is they do the same crap every five to seven years. They do. They do. The Cleveland Indians are the best farm system in Major League Baseball. Yep, for they, other teams. Yes, yes, absolutely. They do the same thing. They build up talent. They make them stars. Well, not stars, but they make them very good players. And then when it's time to give them the money, they let them all go. And it make, it, it angers the hell out of me. I, I don't blame you at all because for the short time that I was an Indians fan, back when Manny Ramirez was still there, when they started unloading Lofton, yeah, David all Justice, contracts were Travis Fry, they didn't want to re-sign him. Robbie Alomar, I was depressed. And I was like, hey, Manny Ramirez is my favorite player. I'm gone too. When did the Dolans take ownership? Does anybody know offhand? Don't remember. I can look it up real quick. So 
Dick Jacobs, who owned the team prior, I mean, he put together those 90s teams. Okay? 95, 97. 95, 97. 99. It, it was a different time in Cleveland baseball. And I think we're all... We, Every single game was sold out. This generation is spoiled because we grew up watching oh, amazing yeah. baseball in Cleveland. And the MO now, under the Dolan ownership... You know, you can say whatever you want about them. It is what it is. But it's it's to Keller's point. It's you spend three to four years developing, coaching, bringing these guys up, making moves and so forth, so that you can have a one or two year window where you go for the gold. The problem is when you're competing against teams that have payrolls that are literally three times yours. It doesn't matter what you do with these homegrown guys. It just you just can't compete. I, I think. Were they there was a there was some talk back um, in the offseason where they were trying to get Machado, yeah, and it was laughable. There was, I mean, there was no offer for him. We're Why would you go we're there? talking about having to get rid of a bona fide superstar in Frankie Lindor because you won't be able to afford him. I, the the quote that I that I, I want to say it was their general manager. I don't believe it was Dolan. Two thousand two thousand is when he took over. Thank you. So Paul Dolan took over in two thousand. The quote was when. Are the Indians going to shell out a, a $100 million contract? And the answer, Never. The, the answer was when other teams are doling out $1 billion contracts. So they, they know what they have to deal with. And, the, and, and to their credit, they've done a really good job of being able to kind of get the best out of people and, and find some talent under rocks. But they can't compete continually like this. They have to kind of have this surge. And then blow it all up and start over. They, and they, that's just they, who they are. They take all the money from the... Um, uh, the luxury tax that they get from the other teams. Yeah. And instead of spending it and investing it back into the team, it goes into their bank account. And then they cry poor that they can't afford the team. Yeah. So the other point I wanted to make real quick about the twins before we transition is that uh, their record that they, uh, that they've achieved so far in 48 games at 36 and 17, they've barely played anybody in the central division. They've only had a handful of games where they played divisional opponents. So is the AL central other than the twins, just that bad. It's always been that bad. Yeah. But it used to be the AL Central is that bad. That's why the Indians win it every year. Now it's just the AL Central is that bad. 2016, the Indians had the same record after 50 games as they did this year. I would say, and I don't know this for a fact, obviously, I think the Indians were banking on the Central being terrible. I think they were banking on the Central. And it is, but they're part of it. However... I don't really think anybody saw Minnesota, and they're not gonna they're not gonna keep it up the way it is. But I don't think I don't they think so. saw Minnesota shooting off like they did, and I don't think they saw themselves stumbling as much as they did. Um, I, I told you guys earlier the statistic is they let 108 home runs and 433 RBIs walk in free agency, and they it, replaced it with nothing. And they've been without Kluber, Which, and they've been without Clevenger. But even when Kluber was healthy, he wasn't. He, they got zero run support. They, their pitchers were getting he's, shelled. He's still better than the alternative. Oh, absolutely. But when you like, the Indians need to win three to nothing or two to one at this case because they don't have any offense. They 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 don't generate enough enough bat power. They don't have enough talent on the offensive side of the ball to to compete with these teams. The other they lost to Boston the other day. They they got out to a what was the, the ten runs. It was three to nothing, and, and then it was three two, and then in the fifth it was three three, and then I think Boston put up six in the bottom of the fifth. Yeah, it so was, it was ten three at one point. Honestly, if if teams score four or five runs against the Indians, it's over. Hey, Tyler Naquin was in Akron yesterday. Cool. <laughs> there were a lot of people in Akron. Doesn't mean they should be on pro rosters. <laughs> All right, so we're feeling pretty down about the Cleveland Indians as a whole. 
and I want to stick with the baseball theme, and I want to go over to Sam. It's now your turn. You got to be on the record. You got to be on the record, man. This, this one, is bad. Th- this this one's <laughs> this one's gonna be interesting because I just found out about this today. So I don't know how people are gonna feel about this. This sounds like a good idea to me. All right. So today, which I didn't know, uh, marks opening day for All Star voting for baseball. Shout out to the city of Cleveland this year for hosting. And with the voting process comes some new changes. So instead of straight up voting on a standard ballot up to 35 times until the polls close, fans will now be voting in a primary process for the next 25 days. The primary period will determine the top three vote getters at every infield position and top nine vote getters in every outfield position for both leagues. Fans will then vote again for the starting lineup in a ranked choice vote. Am I putting you to sleep, Nick? I felt it was best to uh, sort of describe how this is working out because it is very complicated now. Why? Is this the presidential election? Wait, is there more? Are they afraid of Russian collusion? So this is my question. (laughs) In in order to make this, does this serve a purpose? No. At all. Can I drop an F-bomb? No, no. Try not to. Drop a frick. If you Why do, in I'll the put, F I'll put that do we thing down, need flip it and reverse it. to change it? Why? 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 Why complicate this? I remember going to Indians games in the 90s during All-Star Week and picking up an All-Star ballot off of my chair. Right! Yes. And filling in the bubbles and when I was 10. And then you would leave it or give it to all the Indians usher. Players. Who right. in the hell thought this was a good idea? Scantron. I don't know. Why? Like... I'm sorry, like, one of the cool things about All-Star Games was just feeling like your vote mattered. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, vote. Well, by the way, that vote just meant this guy might get on. Now and you, you can vote, vote 10 million times. So I, I want to add, add, maybe this will answer some of the questions. Do I have to be registered to do this? Because Can I at, go to my local middle school to do this? At the, at the conclusion of the primary vote, the finalists will be revealed during an MLB Network broadcast during a Yankees Astros game. So are we just trying to like drum up interest? I Yankees think that's what's Astros happening. Astros game? Yeah, Yankees Astros game on June twenty first. I, 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 uh, nothing about this makes me more interested in the and in, in the MLB All Star game. So one one more one more tidbit is that after that primary vote is revealed and you have your finalists. Then you get one day to vote for the actual teams. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is this real. Is so there's 25 days wait, of prelims so and one day. Can you day. censor me? Can you stop that? <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a 25-day voting primary process, and then they will reveal the finalists during a game on MLB Network, and then you have one day to vote for the final this is team. How many brains from world. Mensa did they have to get together to figure this out? So Analytics. Stupid. Oh my god. I, I, no. 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 So when this fails miserably and people are like, so wait, I have to vote again? This is going to be the, the lowest voter turnout in the history of the All-Star Games. There's a strong chance Peyton Hillis will make this team. <laughs> <laughs> That's a write-in candidate? Yeah, so I, I read it. It was I found it on Bleacher Report. Apparently that's, that's what they're crazy. doing. I, I guess they're offering, I know someone who purchased tickets to the All-Star Game this year. $1,200. I was going to say, how much did they pay? For, per, for both days per ticket. Oh, God. What does that get you access to other than the, the game? Derby. The you derby. The, you get the a derby hot dog? and the All-Star game. And Peyton Hillis. And Peyton Hillis. <laughs> Is he going to be signing autographs in the dugout? That'd be super cool. No, he's going to be giving you money for buying he, his jersey. He's shagging balls in the outfield during the home run derby. <laughs> 
No, I'm this. This is gone. He's just running little kids over. <laughs> I, I don't even know that there's even an argument that needs to be made for this. This I, is the stupidest thing. I've when ever I heard. first read it, I thought maybe they're trying to make this. Well, so did you that, find that on the Onion? No, it was on Bleacher Report. <laughs> Unless Bleacher Report is now no longer credible. <laughs> well, uh, the Cle- M- the MOB is no longer credible. They had to do something though, like the no, they did. Baseball All Star Game is a joke. I mean, most All Star games are, but. I mean, how, how does this help that though? Oh, it doesn't. I don't. I mean, this is not the correct answer. This okay. is not the best way to go. <laughs> but you know, it's all a popularity contest at the end of the day. I mean, why? Why not? Why not just take like the stats and figure out who the best players? Because are. then no Indians would make it. Question. Okay. Question. Should fans be voting at all? No. That's what I thought. <laughs> it, it should be statistically based. So I can't believe I just said statistically and it came out correctly. Hey. That's a word I trip over all the time. We all know the NFL Pro Bowl is not exactly the uh, be-all, end-all of, of contests and whatnot, but I think they do it well in that a large portion of it comes from the players voting for who they feel was the best competition over the course of the year and so forth. Yes, the fans still have a very big part of choosing and so forth, but it's not exclusive to the fans. I'm, I'm going to be a homer right here. The NHL is the best all-star weekend in all of sports. I've heard great things. Their skills competition is awesome. They switched it a couple years ago where they do a three-on-three between each division, sets up a three-on-three team, and you get the two teams uh, from the Eastern Conferences, like the divisions, go against one another. The two teams from the West go against one another, and then they battle it all out, and it is phenomenal. But do they have a primary? Well, then no one cares because yeah. you know this is apparently the greatest new idea in the world. But uh, the All Star Weekend for the NHL is hands down for for me, and I, I mean I'm a hockey guy, but I think if you guys would sit down and watch it, you would really enjoy what they put out there. Oh, I'm going to. No more questions. On to the next one. Okay, on to the next one. We've got Sam and John on the record. Next, we're going to go to Nick. I want to save Ryan for last because I think his the one I'm posing to him is going to be uh, the most interesting. Oh boy. Um, oh God. My heart's going. Nick, we uh, uh, we're actually gonna we're actually gonna stick with baseball still. Wow. Um, I feel like we haven't done enough baseball, so we're gonna do that we today. We haven't. So, uh, Nick, for you, in 2001, Barry Bonds set the MLB home run record at 73, and since then, no one has hit 60 home runs in a season. Uh, Christian Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers currently leads the majors with 21 home home runs in 48 games this season, putting him on pace to potentially eclipse 60 home runs in 2019. And he would be the only. He would only. He would be only the sixth person to do so. Having said all that, will we witness a challenger to the home run record for the third time in our lifetime, or is the record safe for a generation? It's safe for now. Seventy-three is not going to be top. I remember when we were growing up, it was a huge deal for anyone to hit over fifty. So, and then it was gigantic when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were going home run for home run and get trying to get to break the record, it was insane. Barry Bonds hitting 73, asterisk, whatever you want to put on it, I don't think that's really going to be touched at all by anybody that's currently playing the game. Just to throw it out there, the closest that anybody's gotten has been 58. Ryan Howard once, and then Giancarlo Stanton a couple years ago. Ryan Howard is a monstrous human being. He's done nothing since. He hasn't done anything since. Well, yeah, he hit 58 back in 2006. Your, Your big thing was like, your your next big hitter in Major League Baseball was Aaron Judge. Let Let's me be real. inject a, an opinion here. Oh, oh crap. Get it? Because steroids, injections. 
So I don't care about the, um, I guess, the negatives of the steroid era or what have you. I think everyone's hypocritical if they don't agree that oh, no, super the fun to watch. out of the stadium it was is the super coolest fun to watch. thing Okay, ever. well then I let's agree. just have one guy on the team that you can put whatever you want into. Just let everyone do it. For real. Use it at your own risk. Remember when Brady Anderson hit 50? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. He so that doesn't really have anything to do with what you're talking about. but uh, I don't think there's anyone up and coming in the current could Mike Trout do it? Is, uh, no, no. My, Mike Trout's more of a an extra base hitter than a home run hitter. Mike Trout could hit 120 doubles in a year, but actually, hold on one second. Um, I did have, I did book, I did bookmark uh, some uh, figures, and go ahead. Also, remember we were talking about Bryce Harper in an earlier podcast? Yes, he's batting like 212. Yeah, he's not. I feel like doing good at all. All the big names in baseball right now are kind of just. I mean, you get into the Hall of Fame in baseball for batting three hundred. So, yeah, in, in the last three games, I think he's two for fourteen. And maybe he has Yikes. a superstition. He's not. Adhering so he to. he's dangerously <laughs> dangerously close to the Mendoza line. Okay, so in twenty seventeen, Aaron Judge hit fifty two. That was a name you brought up. Um, last, Judge is amazing. Last, he's just a monstrous human being. And he's still growing, which is terrifying. <laughs> Ten million strong and growing. Um, last year, uh, Chris <laughs> Davis was the AL leader with forty-eight, and he he led the league with forty-eight because Nolan Arondo from Colorado only had thirty-eight. I, I think the pitching in Major League Baseball is so much better than it was back then. It's way better now that you're gonna have a hard time seeing guys hit that many home runs. Here's the other thing, too. If you can tell me two names in the last ten years that won the home run derby right now. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> in the last ten years, so we're going back to 2009. In the last ten years, give me two names that won the home run derby. Uh, I could only probably give you maybe Mickey Cabrera. Prince Fielder. Albert Bell. <laughs> Definitely not Albert Bell. I mean, your home run hitters are, even when you watch the home run derby, you know who's not in it? Mike Trout. <laughs> that's true Aaron Judge that's true Bryce yeah. Harper just They're not because you win the home run derby doesn't really mean a whole lot a lot of you're guys getting, don't want to do that the name. because again we're <laughs> well, you're talk also about getting curses. soft tossed the whole time you were talking about curses though and oh, like you're, you're wasting your swings no a lot of guys change their swing for the home run derby and then when they go back into playing regular baseball have a trouble transitioning back. you know who did win it and didn't have any trouble transitioning back Ken Griffey Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> It's well, a lot like the just... a lot like the dunk contest in basketball. Like nobody of value does it. Who wins it? Guys that are trying to make a name. Well, for the, the NBA is so much different. After yeah. Vince Carter, you don't get the big. Like I would have loved to have seen LeBron and Kobe go head to head in a slam dunk contest. They how did many, like every time different... the Lakers and Cavs played. No, they never like they never did in that facet. Why is why didn't LeBron ever do the slam dunk contest? His quote way back when was he didn't want to be known he didn't want to lose well, that's, that's what it was how many different ways can you dunk a basketball a lot uh, yeah. really literally one all right <laughs> technically one and anybody want to guess who the last year's winner was nope <coughs> i'm gonna guess um uh kirsten yellick no was he even in it kirby puckett i don't know i don't oh, know okay. was in it. i just i just have the winners dave winfield we just talked about Jose Bryce, Mason. Bryce Harper. Oh, Bryce Harper won it. Judge won it the year before. Stanton won it the year before that. I don't know who this guy is. Todd Frazier. Doesn't ring a bell. Uh, uh, Cespedes won it in 13 and 14. Fielder won it in 12. Cano won it in 11. Ortiz won it in 10. 
Filder yep. won it in 09. So, ha, I said Prince Filder, and he won it twice, so I win. <laughs> Man, I can't believe I was wrong with Miguel Cabrera. I thought that one would be right. I'm, I'm shocked I didn't get Kerb the Puckett right. <laughs> I'm dreadfully shocked, too. He's, he was so good. But at the same time, I mean, not getting 73 home runs, maybe this makes the home run more it's exciting an un, It's an untouchable record. No one's ever going to I, I, I agree. I th- that's going to be an untouchable, untouchable record. You have that. You have Cal Ripken's game streak is going to be absolutely an untouchable record. That, yeah, Nobody's that, going to do that. Forever. Do you think we'll ever see another 300-game winner? For pitching? Yes. No. Who? So who's, was, was Randy Johnson the last to accomplish that? Might have been Clemens. I couldn't tell you. So I I would be more you know going to Keller's point about how the pitching has improved so much. That might be. I don't know if you're going to see a pitcher at. go 300. They they don't anymore. they don't pitch. They, they pitch totally different now than they did before. Absolutely. Um, with your middle relievers and your long middle relievers and your setup guys and I think the ones that you're not going to see you're not going to see a lot of no hitters anymore. Because even when so guys, few guys will stay even when guys are close, they're going to get pitch count. And it's all about pitch count. They're not going to have the stamina to do that because throughout their entire. I mean, it's starting young now. They're not going to have the the stamina and experience to pitch that many innings and to throw that many balls. It might be an interesting subject in the future to get your nephew on and, and kind of see what he has to say about that. Ooh, good idea. The evolution of pitching. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be a good idea. Absolutely. I'll hit him up and see what he wants to do. Sounds but, cool. But, uh, you know, it's not exclusive to baseball, but I think a lot of the records of yesteryear are probably going to be left untouched just because of how all the different sports are evolving. Um, that to, that being said, you're going to see others that are just absolutely destroyed because, it, for the, in the sake of the NBA – the players are so much bigger, faster, stronger. The game is so different. Uh, it favors the offense a lot more than it did back in the days of your Patrick Ewing and your Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley's. But um, in terms of baseball, I, I think that it, it's a lot like the NFL where the league knows that people want offense. They know that people, more often than not, unless you're my dad, you don't care about a pitcher's duel. You want to see... You want to see a slugfest. Yeah. Randy, Randy Johnson, 2009. Tom Glavin in 2007. Glavin. Greg Maddox. Braves. Uh, Braves. Was, was he Braves. Hold on. So Johnson. <laughs> Greg Maddox was in 04. Clemens was in 2003. So Johnson was the last one. Correct. And, and honestly, he may be the last one we ever see. Do you, I do you happen so. to know who's who's even close? Sabathia's got to be up but there. But there's some, no but he's way done after he this stays year. in. No, he's, he's not after this year. He's... Maybe. You might see a guy get 250, maybe. I, I think I think you're probably never going to see it just because of how we've seen the career of Steven Strasburg play out so far. Um, same thing with DeGrom. Um, like, even some of the aces now, like Chris Sale's never going to win that many games. Um, so I think the 300 one is probably – I don't know when we're ever going to see that again. CeCe won't hit it. What's he got? He's at 249. Okay, so he'll be he'll get two fifty this year, and that'll be an accomplishment I mean, well, in and of itself. I, I don't and know. how long has he been playing? God, I remember seeing him on he's, scrappers. He's, I remember him right? living with people started, that like I knew for crying out loud down he's, here. He's thirty eight, so he's been in the league nineteen years, God. right? So it, it he's been in the league. We'll just call it twenty years, and he's not even remotely so close. So this is this is really interesting, and without. A lot of injury. I'm he's been, right. gonna, he's pretty been pretty healthy for 20 years. I'm going to go through these real quick. CeCe's 38 years old with 249. Verlander's 36 with 212. Won't sniff it. 
uh, Zach Granke's 35, 193. Oof, Lester's 35, 180. No Felix way. Hernandez, 33, 169. Is he dead? Felix Hernandez? Yeah. Would, no. Uh, or, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, the one for the Marlins? Yeah. Yeah, he's he died. Boating uh, accident. Max Scherzer, 34, 161. Cole Hamels, 35, 160. Anybody there 30 on that list at all? Uh, okay, thirty-one. The, so the, the youngest guy is Madison Bumgarner at twenty-nine with one <laughs> one thirteen. Wow! So I think it's almost safe to say every we're, we're single guy it. on this list. Garrett Cole twenty-eight with seventy-nine. I mean, we'll we'll never see it. No, no. I, I think it's over. I agree. No one, no one was. That just speaks to Randy Johnson and Clemens and all their dominance, and we're just not going to see it again. Not that pitchers today and aces aren't dominant, but they're, it's just different. But also, so many clubs have more than one ace, almost. So you don't. That is true. You, you don't have, have to. to throw. You have to have a, a one, two, three, four, five rotation out there. It, it, you almost have a one, one a situation. Like when Cleveland was dominant, you had Kluber, you had Bauer, you had Carrasco, and you had Clevenger, and they all kind. I mean, obviously Kluber was your ace. Yeah. But it wasn't a clear cut one through four, one through five. Yeah, when the Red Sox kind of a pick your poison. When the Red Sox broke the curse, we had Pedro Martinez, Kurt Schilling, uh, Bronson Arroyo, Derek Lowe, and then Tim Wakefield. Wow. Just a fun fact. Do you know who the wins leader in you know all time is? No. It's Cy Young. Just somebody take a stab at if you know it, don't answer. Somebody I take I, a. I just, I just I, that's what I'm looking at. Too. Well, Cy Young probably pitched every but, uh, third take, day. Take a guess how many wins Cy Young has. Four fifty six. Higher. Five hundred ten. Five eleven. Wow. Oh, wow. Just a fun. Wow. Cy Young. The next three, guy on the list is Walter Johnson with four seventeen. Almost He's almost got a hundred game that's lead. Like, that's like that's like a Jerry Rice statistic right there. <laughs> talk, talk about <laughs> records that will never be broken. That's a record. Wow. Well, so we've thrown out a lot. We threw out a lot of numbers in that uh, in that question, and we're going to continue talking about more numbers. And I'm, we're not going to stick with the baseball theme particularly. Yes, John. Just ready. Oh, just ready. Okay. <laughs> this is this is mine. This is yeah. This is for, for Ron. about ten seconds till he takes it. This is a sabotage. I, I think I I don't know if you guys are really going to fight about this. You might all agree. I'll find a way. So <laughs> Sam's the troll here. Uh, we're. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to use I'm going to use baseball as a point of departure, but this isn't just for baseball. But I the baseball example is a good one. Okay, when Derek Jeter retired, the Yankees retired his jersey number along with him. See where this is going. Yep. Now the Yankees no longer have any single digit jerseys available for any current or future player. Between one through ninety nine, the Yankees have twenty one numbers no longer in rotation. This, of course, is only one example, but the law of averages tells the truth, and jersey numbers are a finite resources. Is retiring numbers stupid? Uh, there's a really long pause there. I don't know if I'm going to cut it out or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you should leave it. That adds to the dramatic effect. I don't. I, I'm. I don't have a definitive yes or no. I know these guys are like biting their tongues off. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like the idea of it. Like, if you could retire the number mm-hmm. and let people still use it. Okay. Or maybe just retire that player. Yeah, that's Jackie or, Robinson Day. So, no, just, just do something for the player and leave the number there. Because, um, I mean, the prime example I think of when I hear that kind of stuff with the numbers inside is, is Jordan, where they retired his number. Mm-hmm. And then when he came back to the Bulls, even though it was him, he wasn't allowed to wear that number That's because dumb. it was currently retired. That like, is dumb. That kind of stuff. 
is stupid. So let me to, just to alleviate some of your thinking. Uh, somebody I read on Reddit had a great idea. Just retire the number for like two years, enough time to pass where everybody moves on, and then bring it back. I mean, that's a good idea. No, there's no. never going to be. That. It's no. it's asinine. There will never. If a Baltimore Ravens linebacker wore fifty-two, no one on this earth would associate him with Ray Lewis. I agree. I don't care how talented or awful this person was. Nobody's going to look at a Bulls player wearing 23 and think it's Jordan. Or make the comparable. Exactly. Like, I remember a few years ago, the Browns never officially retired number 19 for Bernie Kosar, but it was kind of one of those, you didn't wear it, so to speak. Unwritten rule? Exactly. The first person to wear it was Miles Austin. You can't tell me that anyone looked at number 19 and was like, I forgot What's about he him. doing wearing that? Nobody cares about a number. Nobody. It, it, so, I love Donovan McNabb. One of my all-time favorite players. For whatever reason, I just love the guy. The Eagles retired to number five. Why? I don't know. For losing an NFC championship game. Don't get me wrong. He was a tremendous quarterback. I'd listen to he was one of the better slash best of the franchise. You know, with a handful of other names. That's what a team ring of honor is for. You don't retire numbers. Put their name in the yeah, rafters. I, I like that. Give them, you know, like the the Browns did their ring of honor type thing where they, all of their Hall of Fame inductees are in Cleveland Browns Stadium. Excuse me, First Energy Stadium now. That's awesome. The Cal, or the, the Yankees have uh, Monument Park. So does the Indians. Exactly. There's, there's a lot of ways that you can honor players without having to ceremonially retire a number that's ultimately arbitrary. Like, do you think of Derek Jeter? Like, do you think of number two when you think of Derek Jeter? I actually do, yeah. But it, but you don't associate that number with him. So I think it's just the number two. I think in certain cases, there, you should retire a number. So I'm gonna go back to hockey. Number ninety nine cannot be worn by anybody in all of the NHL. And I'm cool with that. Why? Same Wayne thing Gretzky. because of Wayne Gretzky. Same thing with baseball. Well, why and Jackie he didn't Robinson. play for every team? I understand that, but and he's he, alive. He transcended the sport. He's the irrelevant. King. Irrelevant. If you want to put him as the number one entry into the Hockey Hall of Fame, all for it. But well, he he couldn't be because the Hall of Fame was already done. Like, I, I, it was I was being facetious, but well, well, but it takes away. <laughs> but it, here, my point is: is there a place for retiring certain numbers? Absolutely. Case in point is the Jackie Robinson number. It has nothing to do with the fact that he was so good at the sport. He did such a, a he, he was monumental in the cultural breakthrough that he was as a person and a player that I think you're taking away from that kind of a thing if you're retiring every other number. Like, it's retired across baseball for a reason. Yeah. So, I, I would argue Roberto Clemente's number should be retired across baseball. I would argue Why? because he perished on a humanitarian mission. But, he, I would, I would argue yeah, that, that, that Roberto Clemente did as much for the Latin baseball player that Jackie Robinson did for African American baseball. Players. So you're arguing it's more comparable, in, not the same. You're arguing more in the concept of uh, retiring a number to honor somebody because of what they did, not how they were on the field. Precisely, but but, but that comes has the caveat. What he did humanitarian wise had nothing to do with baseball. In terms of Clemente, yes, you're you're correct in that regard, but. Jackie Robinson, what he did for baseball. I, I agree with baseball. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. And if anyone argues that, you're you, crazy. Yeah. You're nuts. But like, so the Browns have number 44 retired. I don't even know Because of who that Ernie is. Davis. Yeah. 45. 45, excuse me. The kid never played a down for the team. 
He died of leukemia in training camp. Actually, I don't even know if he made it to training camp. They the, signed him. The Pens have a jersey number retired. Like, 27 of a, a player that they drafted his rookie year died in a car accident. There's oh. got to be a way to honor these players without having... I mean, eventually all your jerseys are going to be gone. So baseball, I think, gets carried away with it. You don't see it too much in the NFL. Yeah, a good example would be Randy Moss's number is still rotation with the Vikings, and I don't care. And in the NHL, you don't see it a ton. You have your big names. I think your your number nine in, in Detroit is retired. The sixty six in Pittsburgh for Lemieux is retired. And do I you, think do you think that's because that specific player spent all of their time with that specific? Well, player? in the NHL, do you think you that's, mostly see that? Do you think Donovan that's McNabb re- finished his career with a division rival? Do you think that's the reason? Ew. But does that lend more to the argument of retiring Jeter's number is because Jeter was a Yankee from day one no. <clears throat> until he stopped playing baseball? So if you name 10 baseball players right now, I guarantee you I wouldn't get a single person's number correct. I guarantee you. For who? Kenny Lofton. Sandy Alomar. Current players, excuse oh, me. Oh, current players, okay. I could. It's just, maybe it's just baseball the way it's designed. The number means nothing. Absolutely nothing. You don't, in football... Baseball's been around for so long, too. But quick, in, quick in pause. Football, we associate the number with the player. I don't think you do that in baseball. Quick pause. We all played sports growing up, correct? Yeah. Did you care what your number was? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but I, 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 you just said it means nothing, though. To the fans. Oh, okay. But to you know why? Fans. Yeah. But you know why I cared? It means absolutely everything. Some okay. But okay. you know why I cared what my number was? Why? Because Ken Griffey Jr. was wearing it. Me too. I picked twenty-four for Ramirez. That's why I cared what my number was. I like number thirteen because I like the number. I like. I don't like Dan Marino. <laughs> my my, my you numbers. You didn't care that Ken Griffey was twenty-four. You cared that Ken Griffey was your favorite player, and he wore twenty-four. Right. So I wanted to wear twenty-four because you liked Ken Griffey. I did the right. same same reason for. But me. if Ken Griffey Jr. was number eighty-seven, you would wear eighty-seven as a I don't think we had that. We didn't have that. (laughs) You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Right. So. Which makes the number that more important. To you personally. And to the person wearing it. No. Yeah. Like, I wore wore number 11 when I played baseball. Why? I don't don't know. Exactly. That was my number. Was it just assigned to you you or did you pick it? No. So, my one year, I had my jersey number assigned to me for baseball. And then the next year... Uh, I got to pick my own. Okay. And that's the number I picked. What number did Chuck Bednarik wear? Don't know who he is. Exactly. <laughs> 40. You know the name. 49. I don't even know. I would have said 51. I, I. The fact of the matter is, you know the player, you know his legacy, you don't care about the number. I think. John that... Elway wore number seven. Does that mean that number seven is never going to be worn in Denver again? Probably. Should it be that case? No. Because I, I... number seven didn't win the Super Bowl. John Elway won the Super Bowl. Sure, yes. I, I think that I think that they, we associate the numbers with the players just because it's part of the imagery, though. Like the like, not a Yankees fan here, God no. But a lot of people say, you know, the the pinstripes, the Yankee uniform. I hate it. The number two. It's classic. It, you know, it's all part of like the imagery, and you know, I'm I'm against retiring numbers. I think it's silly. Just you know, whatever. But I think that's why people associate so much numbers with players. Thank you. <laughs> Irrelevant number. <laughs> Chuck Bedard for 60. So, all right, another fun fact, just because, why not? I love fun facts. So, the Seattle Seahawks have the number 12 retired. Do you know why? The fans. The 12th for the man. fan. That's kind of cool. No. It's kind of cool. It's, <laughs> it's, it's It is. It's different. It's not cool at all. It's Listen, I'm on your side 100%. I don't give I don't care about players and their numbers and retiring them. But the idea of it is, you know, the 12th man is like, you know, what the Seahawks are known for. That's well, kind of Well, is the number cool. 6 not allowed to be worn in the NBA cuz the 6th man? 
The only reason the number 12 is relevant in Seattle is that's the number Brum of fans they had before the Legion of Boom was created. <laughs> I'll buy that. Well, I, I think they had... What, Didn't what they, they steal that from Texas A&M, though? Probably. So, hey, well, to further Columbus my point, did the, same, the Blue Jackets did the same we're now thing. honoring a marketing gimmick and retiring a number because it's so obsolete that it doesn't even need to belong to a player. We're t- now saying that because of this... this guy which probably didn't even come from the nfl if we're being honest it probably didn't even come from texas tech or texas am whatever the concept of having the 12th man is so popular they retired the number 12 that's stupidity like i said i i like it i don't like it i'm kind of on the fence on i think it. it depends on the franchise I think, and i think it depends i, think I don't on see its, the significance i think it. it depends on the situation i think the reason it works for the yankees is because that's the baseball team period but, but oh, the yankees yeah, baseball team. have so many yeah, they, 21. They, they probably have the most out of any team Roger in any Maris, favorite, I, I, Luger, yeah, absolutely. I didn't dig into it, but uh, 21 seemed like it's the did most. They, did they retire Babe's number in Boston? Uh, not that I know of. Is it just the just the one? Um, just I, the, I honestly couldn't tell you. Just, the only one that I know for sure that's retired is Ted Williams. I think that's it. Yeah. I think in Boston that's it. Boy, I'm not a good Red Sox fan. I don't know what the retired numbers are. I. Again, that's kind of that's kind of makes your. I mean, that's, there's your point right there. Like obscure facts out there. This has nothing to do with anything but Boston. We went on a tour of the stadium, and they did not have like updated plumbing in that stadium. It's so old. Until they won the World Series, I believe it. That was when they finally updated the plumbing. They've got their old hot water tank and a water heating system on display in the stadium. I remember when they brought up the idea of building a new <laughs> Sounds one. Sounds like every, Boston. Everybody told them to pound sand. There's probably molasses in it still from the flood okay. 70 years ago. So I know that we are all obviously a variety of different fans of sports and whatnot. Hell yeah. Can anybody tell me the number of retired numbers the Browns have? Retired jersey numbers. Two. Six. Four. Five. I, knew it was can, like I will give a hundred dollars to anyone that can tell me all five and who and who wore them. Jim Brown, Jim Brown, Don Fleming, Ernie Davis, Otto Graham, Otto Graham, Bernie Kosar. Bernie's not retired. Lou Groza. Yeah. See, that's <laughs> the thing. So, so as diehard fans as we are, we can't even name all the players whose jerseys are retired by our own team. There's no significance whatsoever to this. That, and I, I told you how many jerseys retired in at the Penguins. You did. So if you're a Browns football player of any position and you choose to wear number 32, you're carrying the legacy of that number on you, but you look like an idiot if you suck. No <laughs> one's going to be like, oh, it's Jim Brown's number. You just, you, is it something you shouldn't do? Maybe. But it's not something that should be officially retired. Is it retired. something you shouldn't do because of a superstition? No, it's out of respect. But, like, you also look like a total dumbass so, if you're a running back for the Browns wearing number 32 and you average one yard a carry. So here's what's really neat. The Pittsburgh Steelers. How many jersey numbers do they have retired? One. Four. Mean Joe Green. Zero. They have zero numbers officially retired. Wow. I would not have guessed that. I believe it. Because they're smart. Oh, well, run franchise. That was from 2014. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hold on. Still zero. Update. I would imagine it would still be zero. My point is... Joe Green is only the second player. There's a way to honor your past without compromising the present and the future with a jersey number. I like Team Hall of Fames. <laughs> I like Rings of Honor. I like displays or whatever. You want to introduce the guys at halftime or whatever? Fantastic. <laughs> the other one. But, like, you just... <laughs> why? That's what I'm laughing at. 
Guess who the first player ever retired in Pittsburgh Steelers history is? Please, God, do Give not be a Heinz Ward. No. I, I can't. Is he old time? Franco Harris? Yeah, he's old. Uh, Bradshaw. No. No, it's not Bradshaw. Lynn Swan. No. Uh, mean Joe Green. No, his is. Um, his was the first number retired in 50 years. Limus Sweet. Rod Woodson? No. Greg Lloyd. Number 70. Stotner. Oh, yep. God. Ernie Stotner, Ernie Stotner. Retired in 1964. So, the- as a casual football fan, who the fuck <laughs> is that? Right? So, Beep. so exactly. Bradshaw, Harris, Mike Webster, Jack Lambert, and Jack Ham. Out of those numbers, 59 has only been worn once. Who? What number did Terry Bradshaw wear? 12. 12. 12. Okay. But, no, but like, those numbers aren't officially retired. They just, but people wear. know I'm not going to wear that number. So it's like the Miles Austin number 19. You know who else wore number 19 for the Browns? Corey Coleman. Didn't Joe Jervicious wear number 19? He wore 84. Corey Coleman wore number 19. Again, nobody's confusing the two. I don't think it tarnished Bernie's legacy to see Miles Austin and Corey Coleman wearing number 19. Well, well, there's that, and then quarterback numbers weren't wide receiver numbers for a while yeah but it's, it's this like if if the the raven signed a seventh round draft pick or an undrafted free agent and he wears number 52 do you think it does anything to tarnish ray lewis's I think legacy beat the hell murder aside no during training camp if he said i want to wear 52 i don't think it's an issue at all do you have a lot to live up to with the number absolutely you're kind of taking that pressure on yourself but it's not like you take away from anything the guy before you did so here's what here's what i think would be a good compromise to this if you think about like us now Looking back at players 15 years ago, only a select few guys really stand out that you could that you know their numbers. That's so true. what if you wait like 10 years and do like put the number on display in the stadium with the guy's name, and then 10 years is up, leave the guy's name up there, take the number down, and make it eligible again? But why? Well, because you're honoring that guy's career. No, you're honoring a number that I, he wore. I want to inter- I want to interject real quick to that point of that. That is between the two of you. Um, I read a story uh, in preparation for this about Brett Hall when they retired, when he uh, left the team, mm-hmm. and then another player came in and wore number nine for a while, and then he was like, "Oh, wait, this is too weird. I'm going to switch to 19." Yeah. So maybe there's some sort of middle ground. Unwritten rules. On where where it could be just the players agree not to do it, yeah. and we don't have to know about it. Yeah. Because well, until how, you brought up the Steelers thing, I had no idea. Yeah. How many times do you see when a guy leaves one team and goes to the other team and like pays that guy to wear his number? Oh, it happens frequently. Yeah. I mean, you look back at like like I I remember the Winter Olympics probably four or five years ago. When Yarmir Yager was playing for Czechoslovakia, and there was an entire row yeah. of fans. Well, he's all also he's played for like twelve different Yager jerseys, twelve different teams. <laughs> it was they're all fantastic. number sixty-eight. Fantastic, all with mullets. I mean, all the, with different the thing too with fantastic. the. I mean, like I said, the NHL is a little different. You could wear any number. It's not position based. I want to wear thirty-three. And, and half. people wear numbers in the nineties, and the eighties, and the sixties. I mean, it's so spread out. I think that's cool. That use you, everything you, you got. You don't have people like. You feel like in baseball, everybody wants the single-digit number or the low number. They do. You don't see too many guys like Judge who wants 99. Managers wear numbers. The Yankees are running out of options. Right? <laughs> I mean, I think Stanton wears something weird. I forget what it is, like 50 or 70-something. 
Or no, wait, I forget. But anyway, I digress. I think to kind of wrap this up, I think we can all agree the NFL needs to retire 21 and 23 across the board. And that's because Frank Gore wore both of those, and he's the best player to ever <laughs> one, touch a ball. One of these days. One of Hall these, of Famer. One Frank of these Gore. days, John, and you're not oh going to know when it's coming, but Frank Gore in the Hall of Fame is going to be your on-the-record question. How, how amazing would it have been if like, Frank wait. Gore like had the stats he did and I can't retired a couple years ago? I can't wait him about it. And then ended <laughs> up being uh, abducted in the, the, the Hall of Fame the same year the draft was in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, I don't know why we're excited. I mean, I get from an economic standpoint why we're excited the draft is coming to Cleveland. If you go, you're crazy. Oh, that, uh, that's another topic for another time. Yeah, that is. Who wants to go? I'm going. <laughs> I'm down. I'm in. I'm in, too. All right. I'm out. <laughs> well, <laughs> John's out. We're, we're out. out. We're out collectively. We're out. We're going to call it there. Hope you guys had a good time today. Um, make sure to, Andy, you're real good at this. Plug the Facebook stuff. Yes, please visit us at facebook.com slash sports. Get us to 200 likes. That is our new goal. And don't worry, there's going to be content for you to read, maybe watch. There will be something for you to do there. Yeah, there's definitely more stuff coming. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, keep, uh, keep commenting and doing all that fun stuff for us on, on the social media pages. Uh, we really appreciate it. If any topics you guys want us to touch on, Feel free to, to send us a message and let us know. And, and then and, we'll go. And then we'll go. Until next time, turn up the voice.